0: Well, this morning, I wanna talk to you about how a vampire changed my life. I share this story with you not only because it's fun and intriguing, but because it's one of the first times I invited the Holy Spirit into a conversation I was having with somebody that I had no clue how to relate to. I was on my first mission trip as a junior in college to Ocean City, New Jersey. We were out worshiping on the boardwalk, singing songs just like these, when this woman came up to me, very gothic looking, dyed black hair, black lipstick, black fingernail polish, some kind of scary black shirt, and she said, I'm a vampire, are you afraid of me? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I've, I've never met a vampire before. This is before the popular series Twilight. This is before Vampire Diaries. This is in 1998, about 20 years ago. So see, I'm not too young. And, um, and I'm like, who thinks that they're a vampire? You know, and she says, well, will you talk with one? And I said, sure, why not? So we go over to the side and it's uncomfortably quiet. She doesn't say anything. And I think, you're the one that wanted to talk to me, and you're not saying anything. What do I do? And clearly, I'm on a mission trip, so I'm thinking, I guess I'm supposed to share Jesus with her, but how do I do that when she's a vampire? What does that mean? So it's the first time I really prayed, and I said, God, you're going to have to show me, because I have no clue how to do this. Doesn't matter that I learned how to share my testimony, doesn't matter that I know how to go through a little booklet, doesn't matter that I went through evangelism explosion. I said, "I have no clue how to get reach this woman." So I said, "Holy Spirit, what do I ask? What do I say?" And the first thing that came to mind is to ask her, "Well, what makes you a vampire?" Her name was Christy, and Christy said, "Well, She showed me her wrists and she goes, I've tried to kill myself three times, but I haven't been able to die. I think I'm immortal. And I was like, okay, that's a little strange. And she goes, I actually sacrifice animals and I drink their blood. And I believe that is what helps me overcome sin in my life. I'm like, this is just getting crazier and crazier. And I said, God, I still have no clue how to relate to her. And the next question the Holy Spirit put on my heart is, well, Christy, what brings you purpose or significance in life? And she said, I've brought 30 women into being vampires with me. They had no family, no friends. We have an entire coven of vampires here in this city. And I was like, oh my goodness, she's a woman of influence. And as a junior in college, I knew that is what I wanted to be. I'm already leading Bible studies and discipling in college, being in the ministry with Crew, Campus Crusade for Christ. And I thought, okay, that's the only thing we have in common so far is that we both care about influencing women. But again, I'm like, Holy Spirit, how do I bridge to Jesus? And this was the first time I felt like I really heard the voice of God to give me wisdom outside of what I had been taught in any kind of evangelistic training. And I felt like the Holy Spirit put on my heart, affirm her partial truths that she's believing. Now I was raised, as many of you, in an apologetics culture where you're trained in how to defend your faith. But in a postmodern culture, it doesn't matter. You don't need to defend your faith because everything's relative, right? So um, it felt like all of my training didn't really matter when I'm in front of uh, in front of this vampire. And so I thought, well, affirming partial truths can kind of sound heretical when you're raised in an apologetics culture because that's saying, I'm gonna affirm that some of the lies you're believing are kinda true, that just sounds blasphemous. But I thought, I do think this is God telling me this, so I'm gonna try it. And so I stepped out and I said, Christy, in a sense, you are right. We are immortal. There is life after death. And in a sense, you're right. Sacrifice is necessary, and blood is essential. And you are totally right that we were made for community, but I don't think you know the whole story. May I have permission to share with you the whole story, the whole truth? And she said yes. And again, I thought, okay, I still don't know how to share the gospel, even though I now said that. And so as you start to see, I am taking a step of faith and something happens, and then I'm still like, now what? Now what? Now what? And so, I just opened up my mouth and the goriest presentation of the gospel I ever shared came out about how Jesus was the lamb, the final lamb, that in the Old Testament, there were sacrifices, that in a sense what she was doing, people had done. Maybe they didn't drink the blood, but Jesus is the final lamb. We no longer have to kill or drink blood. We no longer have to do those things. And Jesus came so we could have community, not just with one another, but with God, the one who knows us and created us. And as the Holy Spirit enabled me as a junior in college to contextualize, to make sense the gospel to this vampire, I thought, for sure she's gonna pray to receive Christ. And she said, no, I'm not ready for Jesus, but could you give me a ride home? Cause it's two in the morning and the buses have stopped working. And I thought, who the heck wants to give a vampire a ride home at two in the morning, not me, you know? I mean, I'm brave, I don't know if I'm that brave. And so I asked a really strong, bold guy from our our summer mission trip to come with me. And he was driving, I was in the front, and she was in the back seat. And as we're driving down this pretty deserted highway in New Jersey, she starts to do the most incredibly awkward thing. She starts knocking on the window in the back seat. Now, I don't know about you, but awkward moments are never fun. You want to avoid them normally in your flesh at all costs. if there's one thing God's taught me those awkward moments with people are when you take a step of faith and the Holy Spirit says go and you go something incredible is going to happen something incredible is going to happen and so what happened was I just asked her I said Christy why are you knocking on the window I mean it was really hard to ask that question Mm -hmm. and you know what she said Something is knocking at my heart, but I don't know what it is. Revelation 3.20, which I know is out of context, but back then it worked perfectly. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Hey, I'm a Bible teacher. I know it's out of context, but it worked. Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. I'll dine with him. I'll have fellowship with him. I'll have community. Christy, that's Jesus. Jesus. He wants in your life. And she said, You know, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty for something, but I don't know what it is. Now, back then, I didn't know those verses, but I was on the worship team, so I knew this song. And the words to this song were I want to thirst no more, I want to hunger no more, I want to know that Jesus is my Lord. And she said, Will you sing it for me? And I'm like, It's now 2.30 in the morning. I'm an alto. Okay, I will try. So I, next awkward moment, right? I mean, this whole conversation is awkward. I turn around at 2.30 in the morning. I sing to her this worship song, and this is what she says. Pull over on the side of the road right now in case I die before I get home. I want Jesus in my life right now. You didn't even think you could die two hours ago, you know? And now we have to get off a deserted highway for you to receive Christ, you know? All right. We don't even go to a turnoff. We go to the side of the road. I get in the back seat. I try to pull out a Knowing God Personally booklet from Crew. And she goes, no, no, get to the end of the booklet because I want Jesus in my life now. I'm like, okay. So we pray, she prays to receive Christ right there on the side of the highway. And I am still skeptical, right? And I said, if this is real... You meet me tomorrow at noon. Because I know vampires don't like to be out at noon, right? (laughs) So I didn't know. And here she comes. The next day, she's coming to me at noon. And her eyes are sparkling. She still has that black lipstick. She still has that exact same scary shirt on. But her eyes were sparkling. And I knew. I knew that God had transformed her life. And what was incredible was she came up to me and she says, Holly, I want to learn how to share my faith like you shared with me. And I thought, wow, Christians don't even want to learn how to share their faith, you know? Maybe you're a real one, you know? And I thought, secondly, I have no clue what I said to you yesterday because I was walking in the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So let's do that. Let's go Instead of how I had been trained all my life, and that didn't really seem to be so helpful with a vampire, I thought, well, let's just go on a boardwalk, let's meet somebody, and let's see how the Holy Spirit leads us when we ask him to. So we go out there and we meet this 15-year-old boy named Mark, blonde surfer dude. So if you can picture little blonde surfer dude, vampire girl, and me, that was the threesome. And Mark asked a really good question. He goes, how do you know you're different when you become a Christian? Now, obviously, I can answer that now, theologically, but back then, I was thinking about my testimony, and I was saved as a child, and so there's not this major life story of transformation as a little kid. So I'm thinking, and Christy interrupts me, and she says to Mark, Well, yesterday I was a vampire, but today I'm a born-again Christian, and boy, do I see the difference. And his eyes were bug-eyed. And she goes, "She goes, Mark, Mark, did you know that... um, We are eternal, that sacrifice is necessary, blood is essential, and we were made for community. I mean, is that how you share the gospel? That's not how I normally share the gospel. And he listens to her whole presentation, which was almost the same that I had shared the night before. And right there, in broad daylight, Mark prayed to receive Christ. Christy was a 10-hour-old believer. What excuse do you have? If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, if you just decided to follow Jesus last night, you can already, through the power of the Spirit, be able to see lives changed. You know, I've taken many spiritual gifts tests because I'm in vocational ministry. Not once has evangelism come up. Not once. I wrote a whole book on evangelism and the Holy Spirit, and it's not one of my spiritual gifts. Leadership, teaching, but not evangelism. What I've learned is Jesus has given us the most incredible tool as we abide in the spirit to see lives changed. If we only depended on those who who think they have the gift of evangelism, this whole world's not going to be reached because they're not rubbing shoulders with every single person in the world. But together we are. Christy... Her life was changed, but my life was forever changed. If you want to hear more about her life and how it was changed, you can read the rest um, in my book. I don't, I don't want to expose all the story because we would be here all day. But um, what was amazing with Christy is she showed me that God can take people who are so far from him and open their eyes in an instant And not only change their life, but have the gospel grip their life in such a way they want to share it. And that forever changed me. I was going to be a lawyer. I went to college to do law. And I had almost a 4.0 in college. And I thought, I can do nothing else with my life now. But learn how to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and see what he's going to do. With my life. You know, I was completely changed as a child with the gospel. The gospel changed my life. But this was showing me how God wants to use me in His eternal plan by being filled with the Spirit and being open to seeing how God wants to use me. As I reflect on the story of Christia, I think about how God might want us to engage with people who we think we have nothing in common with. Maybe they're a different generation, a different ethnicity, a different socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter. The gospel will reach anyone and the Holy Spirit will show us how to do that. He will show us the common ground that we need to start to relate to a person. I could have easily been turned off by her appearance, by her intimidation, by the awkwardness of multiple moments in that evening. But I decided to trust the voice of the Holy Spirit that is quiet inside my head more than the intimidation of the circumstance around me. And that is what the enemy wants to distract you with. The circumstance, the person, the unknown. So what did I do? I asked her questions. What makes you a vampire? What brings you purpose and significance in life? And so the second principle you can learn from this is we can begin a conversation by just learning about the other person. What matters to them? What do they live for? And that'll help you start to see what their values are, what they care about. And the Lord will also show you how to relate the gospel to them. Third, people believe partial truths all the time. Every religion, the reason it's enticing is because something about it is partially true. That's what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden, specifically Eve. Satan didn't tell her a flat out lie. He said something that God said and just twisted it a little bit. It was a partial truth. And she held on to it and she went toward it. And that's what all religions are doing. So the Holy Spirit can give you wisdom. What in their belief is partially true? Why are they holding on to it? How can you empathize or engage of why that makes sense? They're holding on to that religion or that, that worldview. And then Holy Spirit, show me, how can I connect them to the whole truth? In order to do that, the next point is God may show us how to share the gospel in a way we never thought of before. One thing I've learned is, hey, I'm not going to share the gospel how I should with Christy every time I meet with somebody and think that's the most effective way to share the gospel. And I think what people have done over time is they try to give you a formula. I'm not giving you a formula. I'm giving you a person. In the Holy Spirit that's already in you. That person, the Holy Spirit, his role in a person's life is he's the one that pursues them. He's the one that convicts them of the sin. The Holy Spirit is the one that unveils their eyes. So the Holy Spirit is the one that not only wants Jesus to be glorified, but he's the one that knows exactly what about Jesus that person needs to hear about. We're not just trying to save them from their sin. We're not just trying to get them to heaven. We're trying to introduce them to the most important person in our life, Jesus. If we say we want to abide with Christ and we are abiding with Christ, how can we not want to share Christ with others? So the Holy Spirit will show you what about Jesus? What is so enticing about Jesus? What's so amazing about Jesus that you can share with the person next to you? It doesn't mean, oh, you're loved by God. He has a plan for your life. You're a sinner. Accept Jesus. I think we're taught formulas. This is the gospel. Instead of thinking, this is a person that needs my intimate friend, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will show you how to introduce this friend of yours, Jesus, to that person. Next, God may show us that even when we have no experience, he can greatly use us to affect people's lives. This is important. We should never think that we cannot be used by God in a situation. God can always use us in any situation if we're walking in the wisdom and the guidance of the Holy Spirit he's given us in any situation. God has sent us the helper so that we don't need to be afraid of people and we can walk in peace in sometimes very awkward situations. We have nothing to fear. He will give us the questions. He will give us the answers. He will give us the scriptures. Now, I will say as a caveat, it is important for us to be in the Word of God and learn the Word of God. For years, I am in the Word of God every day. And so that is how the Holy Spirit is able to bring scriptures to mind as I'm dialoguing with people. But for sure, there are scriptures that come to my mind that I never thought related to sharing the gospel with someone. But the Holy Spirit says, use this. And I'm like, why? And then I'm like, oh, now I see why. And so it's very crucial that abiding in Christ, abiding in his word, helps give us the resources we need for the Holy Spirit to then influence others around us. But what about the people that don't immediately turn to God like Christy did? I am sure that you know people in your life that you know have heard the gospel, have been to church, have backslidden or walked away. And you think, can I share the gospel with them? Will it make any impact? Honestly, even though I've been been in ministry for 18 years, I still sometimes believe these three prevalent lies. The first lie I often think about is they seem too far from God to want to hear about Jesus. Can I actually bring up Jesus? Or I think, man, it sure seems like they love their sin and addiction so much. Would they really want God to transform them? Or I think, oh, their life, it's just so challenging. How can the gospel really bring them comfort and hope in a tangible way? And you start to question the impact the gospel can really have on someone's life. Each of these thoughts are faulty. They're lies. No one is too far from God's grace. Just because we see someone stuck in addiction doesn't mean they don't want out of it. And when tragedy strikes and hopelessness sets in, often hearts long for someone to offer them hope. One morning I opened up the Bible to Psalm 107, and the Holy Spirit gave me a fresh understanding of how people around me can relate to this psalm. It describes four types of people. Maybe there are people in your life that you can see relating to one of these four individuals. We're going to study each of them, but they're the wanderer, the prisoner, the fool, and the traumatized. So as we read through this psalm, I want you to reflect on two things. First of all, people in your life that do not yet know Jesus or are not walking with Jesus now. And I want you to, as you hear my stories, because each one will have a story, think about how the Holy Spirit is guiding me in each situation. I want this time this morning to encourage you to say, I want to hear the Holy Spirit. I want to take steps of faith and see what God's going to do through my life. So if, you're, if you have your Bibles or you can look on the screen, we're going to look at Psalm 107. And we're going to start in verse 4 through 9. Some wandered in desert wastes finding no way a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Now, I don't know if you know this, but loneliness is considered one of the, excuse me, most difficult emotions for people to endure over time. That's what psychologists say. And this emotional state of loneliness is more prevalent and more true with the people that we rub shoulders with every day. It could be someone in your household. It could be your next door neighbor. It could be somebody at church. People are wandering, they are seeking somewhere to belong. They feel lost in a city full of people. I saw this firsthand a few years ago with a a high school friend of mine. We reconnected because of Facebook and he initiated with me on a message. His name is Jason. And honestly, I didn't even remember who Jason was. But I guess he had been observing me from a distance and because I knew we went to high school together, I had befriended him and he was watching my life journey on Facebook. And so what I want to do is just read to you my dialogue with him so you can see how he is a wanderer and how I want to gain not only trust with him and build rapport as a Christian, but also to increase His curiosity about God. I think we are often too quick to say, you need Jesus, accept him. And we think, okay, well, we're supposed to share the gospel, right? So let's get to the gospel. Well, unfortunately, we need to build trust with people first because they don't trust Christians in this generation. We are not trusted. So we need to build rapport, build trust, build credibility, and then increase people's curiosity about God. And so that is the journey I had with Jason. Listen to his story. Hi, Holly, I don't know if you remember me, but we were classmates a lifetime ago. I was reading your page. I have had a lot of hard roads and I can't seem to get off of them. I was wondering if you had any suggestions on how to better myself and my life. That's all he wrote. Wouldn't you want to give him answers on how to better himself and his life? I'm not only in ministry, I'm a life coach. I'm like, yes, I wanna tell you how to better your life. But I don't answer his question. Here's what I said, hi, Jason. I would love to talk or hear more about your journey. Thanks for initiating with me. What did you read on my page that triggered maybe talking to me? I'm being a learner. What caught his eye? Getting off of hard roads is never easy. I'm empathizing. Would you mind sharing with me some of what that has entailed for you? In the meantime, I will be praying for you and wisdom as we dialogue and talk. So I mentioned prayer, but what am I doing? I'm coming alongside him by saying as we dialogue and talk. Thanks again for initiating with me. We are no longer in a generation where they wanna be told what to do. We are not the experts. They will never see us as experts. Even if you are older in this room, it doesn't matter to this younger generation. How sad is that, right? And so we need to come alongside and say, let's talk about this journey together. Well, Jason said, I noticed on your page, you're so sure, so confident in who you are and where you are going. I need that. I will be honest, God and I, he brings up God, not me. God and I have never been friends. I don't know why, but I'm bitter with him. But maybe you can help me out. Oh, another bait, maybe you can help me out. Oh, I want to help you out, right? I mean, just, don't you want to just jump in and give a man, here's the gospel, come to church with me, come hear my pastor, he's young and youthful, you know? No, okay, so, um, I, you can, but what do you notice he's doing? He's, no, no offense against Pastor Kurtz. Okay, so um, you can hear how he's grasping his own spiritual state, okay? He's acknowledging his spiritual state. He's even acknowledging God in this, right? He's becoming vulnerable. So I say, thank you for your honesty of where you're at with God. We cannot let that intimidate us, right, or insult us or offend us. And I said, ah, where am I? Thank you for, I'm ready to hear, like I haven't already been listening, right? I am ready to hear whatever you want to share about him or life in general. I'm looking forward to connecting by phone tomorrow. I thought it's time we now actually talk on the phone to listen and learn and dialogue. Well, the next day I initiate the phone call and he doesn't answer and I leave a voicemail. And he doesn't call me back, but he leaves me a message late that night and look what he says he goes I'm sorry I had a bad day and as always I go and have a drink I forgot my phone that's it now normally you would say well yeah maybe you shouldn't be going and drinking maybe you know being on the phone with me might have been a little more uplifting than getting a drink but I ignored the fact because I think what he was doing is he wanted to see is this Christian gonna judge me because on a hard day I'm gonna go have a beer okay You ignore that. They're not followers of Jesus. They don't have the Holy Spirit in them. Okay, so he said, I said, hi, Jason. I'm sorry to hear it was a bad day. It must have been a pretty bad day for you to forget your phone. Not to go get drunk, but for you to forget your phone. I'm sad to hear that it seems like right now in life, you have more bad days than good. What makes a day bad for you? Again, I'm just trying to go deeper. Do you know Jesus, he was asked so many questions he only answered like three or four of them he gave every question back with another question because that's what makes people think draws them in and leads them to the truth because we know that they know the truth in their heart i kept writing and this is when i started to finally give him a little hope i want you to know that i do believe there is hope No matter what your circumstances are, what's been going on in your life, I'm praying for you daily and that God would show us, not him, God would show us why he had you initiate with me. Like, I don't know, right? But I want him to see that we're asking God, why did you initiate with me? And that he'll do a miracle in your life. Your life in and of itself is a miracle. You were wonderfully made before any of your days came to pass. You are still on this earth for a reason. I'm praying we will get to see what that is. Do you see the language? We're coming alongside, we're in this together, we're seeking God together. Yes, I have the answers. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but I want him to come alongside me to figure that out together. He writes back, you're very sweet, Holly. Well, my days are bad because I feel alone most of the time. He's a wanderer. I feel like nothing is going right. I feel defeated, tired, ready to give up. How many conversations did it take for me to get to the heart of his hopelessness. He had to get there, he had to realize that for him to be vulnerable enough to listen, to learn and be willing to be curious about God, Jesus, the gospel. So we met face to face. He lives in Arizona, I obviously live here in California. I was driving down my parents and we had a two hour conversation where I finally got to share my story, my journey with Jesus, not just my conversion with Jesus. And I said to him, you know, I really believe you need to explore and learn who Jesus is yourself. If you want your life to change, you have to decide who Jesus says he is in the Bible. We know the Bible is what changes lives, not my words. And so I said, would you be willing to study the book of John for this month and and write down and think about who did Jesus say he was? Yes, I could flippantly tell him with a few verses who Jesus was. But if he is really curious, if he really wants to figure this out, he needs to do the exploring himself. Plus, I'm not there. Plus, it's a guy-girl relationship. I need to be careful. And so that's where I had to leave it. Well, Jason did not decide to follow Jesus. He decided to continue to stay in his life of loneliness. But I, I can't control that. All I can do is lead him to the person to explore having a relationship with Jesus. Let's look at the second person, the prisoner in Psalm 107, verse 10. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. But then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress he brought them out of the darkness and the shadows of death, and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Some people are stuck in a prison that they don't know how to get out of. And for this story, I want to share with you the video of this sweet college girl named Jana. This past spring break we had four different universities from different states come to Long Beach to be able to learn how to share their faith, to take steps of faith, and to really feel more confident when they go back for their spring semester to share the gospel on their campuses. The leadership asked me if I would come and train them on evangelism and the Holy Spirit and I was delighted that I had the opportunity to go and teach them one of my favorite topics. But what I wasn't expecting was this opportunity led to even a greater opportunity. At the end of the evening, I felt like some of the things I had shared had created a very quiet room. And I knew that there were students wrestling with things in their own heart. And so I suggested to the MC that maybe we have them go and talk to a staff member or to pray with a leader um, if there's something that God had put on their heart that they needed to share. What I wasn't expecting was three young women to come and approach me right after the meeting and ask if we could talk outside. We went outside about 9.30 p.m., sat on the side of a planter, and the girl that was sitting in the middle, she was already crying and shaking. Her name was Jonna. And I said, Jonna, what's going on? What is it you want to talk about? She goes, I don't know if I can tell you. I don't know if I can share, and I I don't know if it's going to come out. And I said, it's okay. You'll never see me again after tonight. Share with me whatever you want to. She says, I feel like I can't breathe all day. This burden has been on me, and I feel like I can't breathe. And I feel like I'm at a place where either I need to jump off of a building and end my life or finally choose to trust God. But I don't know. I don't know if I can trust God. I don't know if I can surrender to God." I said, okay, well, let's sit down. Let's talk about this. And I looked at her two friends, and I asked them if they would pray for her. I knew nothing about Jana, and it didn't sound like she was ready yet to receive Christ. So I wanted to learn a little more about her. And as they started to pray, Jana started to really react to their prayers. She started to have her hands together and she started banging her her forehead against her hand and I knew that there was a major battle happening for her soul right there. And as soon as the girls were done praying, I just started to pray in the name of Jesus that anything that was not of God, anything that was oppressing her or possessing her would flee and be gone so that she could experience the peace and the love and the grace of God. Well, after I prayed, I felt like the Holy Spirit was impressing on my heart to read to her Psalm 139, but to put her name into the Psalm. To say, Jana, do you know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? That all the days planned for you were written before any of them came to be? Jana, do you know that God's love for you far outnumbers the sand? But at the very end of Psalm 139, David's prayer says, search my heart, oh God. See if there's any wayward way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I said, Jonna, it's your turn. Do you want God to search you? Do you want God to lead you into a way everlasting? And she said, yes. And she started to cry and wail and she fell to the ground and she started to scream out to God, God, I need you, God, I can't live this life without you. God, I surrender to you right now. Free me, heal me. She finished with an amen, crying and sobbing and hugging each one of us. And I said, Jana, how do you feel? Can you breathe? And she says, I can breathe. And the next thing she said is, I have to call my best friend. Kat Kat has been sharing the gospel with me since high school. And even though she's in Utah, I need to share with her tonight. And so we called her right then and there. And Jonna got to tell her best friend that after all her years of praying for her, tonight she finally decided to become one with God. I would love for you to hear a glimpse of, of what that phone call was like as I recorded it. While she was on the phone take a listen praise God for this changed life and just enter into the joy of how a new believer comes to experience the grace the love and the joy of God Accepted Christ into her life tonight. I did. I wish you were here. I did. God, it feels so great. Oh my gosh. Oh oh, no, no, I'm so proud of you. It's gone. It's gone, the pain. Oh, Cat! So great, man. Oh. I didn't want to go to Big Break L.A. because I didn't want to share my faith because I didn't have any faith. And, um, I just got convinced that it would be the right thing to do. So I just thought I may as well come and see what happens. It just kind of opened my eyes to that that there was a reason that I came to, to Big Break LA. Monday night was just kind of a big, big, I guess, breakdown maybe. And then it hit me that I, I needed God. I put my faith in Christ. Yeah. So that was something I've been trying to do for years, and I just, it just clicked last night, or Monday night, so something big happened. To hear her tears of joy when she calls her best friend, to enter into that sacred moment of a changed life, someone that was a prisoner now set free. God wants us each to have an opportunity to see someone come to Christ. Her friends invited her to go on a mission trip as a non-believer, and she came. How strange. And I was giving this exact talk on Psalm 107, and she realized she was a prisoner and she needed free. Now, we have to go fast because, of course, I've used my time, and I have five minutes. And we have two more (laughs) people to go through. Which is great because you know what? I actually have a book. So you can, you can learn more about it in my book. But hey, the fool. Let me just tell you. The fool, it says in verse 17, they're fools through their sinful ways. And because of their iniquities, suffered affliction, they loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. But then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. And here's what's beautiful. Here's the key verse of all Psalm 107. He sent his word and he healed them and he delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. The story in my book that I don't really have time to share with you is about a madam I met one summer, a woman who literally oversaw prostitutes all over the country through the internet in her motel room in which she lived. And the night I met her, I thought, how in the world do I share with a madam? I don't know, God, you taught me how to share with a vampire, maybe I can share with a madam, right? And God gave me verses That I never thought of he gave me Ephesians 6 about the armor of God and somehow as I got to go through the armor of God this woman Debbie decided to put her faith in Jesus it's an incredible story but what's amazing is not only was her life changed she felt responsible for all the women that worked for her on the internet and she wanted to figure out how can I not only get out of the industry but help other women she in her own foolish life Finally met Jesus through a crazy scripture that I never would have thought of sharing the gospel. And she then wanted to see lives changed. The traumatized. uh, Psalm 107.23. I'm not going to read it because of time. But it's these merchants that are on the water. They are experienced men of the sea. But a storm comes and they are going crazy. It says that they are at their wits end because of this storm. And these are the people that are dealing with trauma and crisis in their life. Matt and I have a real heart for reaching our neighbors. Now each one of us have neighbors. Maybe you don't have a vampire, maybe you don't have a madam, but you have a neighbor. (laughs) And last year we felt convicted. We had been living in Fullerton for a year in this house and did not know all of our neighbors yet. So we decided to have a Christmas party. And um, we went and knocked um, around the doors to give out invitations. And Carolina, who lives two doors down from us, was not home or did not answer. But the next day she called me and she said, I'm sorry, I won't be able to go to the party because I'm going through chemotherapy. I'm just too weak and sick to be able to come to your party. At this moment, I had never met Carolina yet. That was my first conversation with her, was her saying, I'm sorry, I can't come to your party. Never even met her yet. But as I'm on the phone with her, I felt like God said, Holly, pray for her. She needs prayer and encouragement. I know nothing about her. I've never met her. And I said, Carolina, would you be okay if I prayed for you? And she said, yes, I would like that. And I said, okay, before I do, do you mind sharing with me, what's your spiritual background? Where are, what, what's your spiritual faith? Because I thought that might help me know how I'm supposed to pray a little bit. She said Catholic. And so I decided that doesn't tell me much, but that she believes in Jesus in the Bible. It doesn't mean she's a follower of Jesus as a Christian. So I prayed for her health, and I thanked Jesus for the season, for coming, for, for, for being born, and for dying on the cross for our sins. And I said, may I come over the day after the party to give you some treats from the party? And she said, yes. So the next day I go over, we meet face to face for the first time and I knew we were supposed to be friends. I invited her to Briella's first birthday, and she came, it was the first time she was able to really get out of the house for a few minutes, see us, say hi, and then she had to go back home. And I said to my husband, Matt, I said, okay, I'm not able to like sit down and really know her spiritual journey when I have two little kids all the time around my legs. Can you please watch them so I can intentionally go over there and dialogue with her and share the gospel? I felt like time was imminent. We were leaving for the summer. I did not know how long her journey would be on earth. So I sit down with her and I just asked her more of her spiritual journey and then I pulled out a track. With her, I actually used a track because I wanted to stay on track, no pun intended, and I wanted to make sure it made sense to her and I knew we only had limited time and I didn't know when I would see her again or if she would be here after the summer. And as we went through it, she goes, this makes so much sense. I never understood that I had to receive Jesus as my personal savior and I've been Catholic my whole life. And she said, can I pray this now? And I said, yes. And right there in her living room, she prayed to receive Christ. It was urgent. I didn't beat around the bush like I did with Jason on on Facebook. I knew I have to go in the power of the Holy Spirit and trust the Holy Spirit was going to get to the gospel that day. She's now living with her her sister um, further away. So I have not been able to see her but once since then. Um, But she is a follower of Jesus now and in the word every single day. Well, in closing, I just wanna share that of these four types of people, we need to remember that it is not our job to convert. That's the Holy Spirit's. Our job is to follow the Holy Spirit in the conversation. Not every story you heard did someone come to Christ. And I do that on purpose, cause that's not our ultimate goal. Our goal is to obedient to where the Holy Spirit wants us to go. But what's so encouraging about this Psalm is there's something similar with each, with each of those four people. Each of them cried out to the Lord. When we are done having a conversation or we need to move on or we feel like this is now, we need to leave it into the hands of God. What we can still do is pray that they cry out to the Lord. Because the promise is, is when they cry out to the Lord, he will heal them. He will deliver them. He will give them community. He will give them hope. And so we can continue to be active through prayer, knowing if they cry out to the Lord that he will deliver them. And that is my encouragement. That is where I stay passionate, even if I don't see the results that I would hope to in someone's life. As we abide in Christ, he will grow our hearts for the lost. How can he not? As we invite the Holy Spirit into our daily conversations We will have opportunities to minister to others and share the gospel. Not everyone will become a believer, but that's not our job anyway.